0: This morning's scripture reading comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter fourteen, verses twenty-eight through thirty-three. Listen to the Word of God. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Thank you, Mark. Won't you pray with me, please?
1: Lord God, we're going to take a look today at a portion of your word that is difficult to hear and understand. And so we pray that the Spirit would help us. Not so that we just might hear and understand, but so we might have the courage to go out and respond as your Spirit leads us. Thank you for this time. We are open and engaged for whatever your spirit wants to do in our hearts and in our lives. We pray that in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Hey, have you noticed that everything comes at a price? I mean, everything costs something. If, for example, you want to have good health, you've got to pay the price for that. Regular exercise, healthy diet, getting adequate rest... And even that doesn't guarantee good health, but it makes it more likely. Good health comes at a price. A good marriage will cost you. The time investment in that relationship, learning to forgive, learning to communicate well. Good marriage is costly. A healthy, happy family is going to cost you. Same kind of thing as a good marriage in many ways. The, the willingness to invest the time to listen to communicate clearly, to forgive, to love, to support. Good family is expensive. Financial stability, all that'll cost you, right? To, to live below your means rather than above your means? To say no to the constant pull of more, more, more? To say no to the, the temptation to use the credit card to get everything and then try to figure out how to pay for it later? And instead to, set reasonable limits and live within those limits and save for the future and all the things we teach at Financial Peace University here at Ebenezer, it's going to cost you to have financial stability. A good education is going to cost you, right? I'm not talking about tuition costs. I'm talking about the work you got to put in to go to class and do the assignments and study and prepare for the exams. Interesting, the uh, U.S. Department of Education a few years ago did a study in the public school system, of the top achieving kids and the lowest achieving kids. The top 10% and the bottom 10%. Here's what they discovered. The top 10% studied an average of 17 hours a week and watched television about four hours a week. The bottom 10% studied less than five hours a week, watched television 21 hours per week on average. Excellence in school is going to cost you. In your career, in arts, science, athletic, in every field of endeavor, there is a price to be paid for achievement, for excellence. And that price is commitment, time, discipline, effort, intentionality. And here's the deal. We can't do it all, so we have to choose wisely and carefully what we'll invest in, what we'll have our time, attention, effort, Where we're going to pay the price, we've got to make that decision. And here I'm here to tell you this morning, friends, to follow Jesus Christ, to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. It's going to cost us. There's a price to be paid. To have the abundant life Jesus promises us now and to enjoy the eternal life he has made available to us later. Jesus promises us nothing we do in this life for his sake will go unrewarded. But it is going to cost us to live our lives for him here and now. You have to choose what you're going to invest in, what's going to matter to you, what you're going to do with that. So welcome back to series we uh, began a few weeks ago on the life and teachings of Jesus. And right now we're in a part of the series where we're looking at the stories Jesus told because Jesus was a great storyteller and he used stories to create word pictures in our mind so that then we could better understand how to live the life he calls us to live and understand the spiritual truths and principles he wants us to understand and base our life upon. And today we're going to look at a teaching Jesus gave about the cost of discipleship, what it means to actually follow him and live the life he invites us to live and experience the things he wants us to experience you know uh as you study the life of jesus you find that sometimes he said things that are very comforting things that are very reassuring things that are very encouraging and other times he said things that they kind of scare you a little bit remember when we first started I said sometimes jesus makes strong demands on us almost unrealistic demands today's scripture lesson today's teaching is is like that and what we find when we look at the context of this teaching is that large crowds were following jesus and you find this again and again in the gospel when large crowds are following jesus that's when jesus launches into these stories or these teachings about how you got to take up your cross and follow him how you have to give up everything to follow him how how it's going to cost you to follow him I could could just imagine the disciples, they must have gotten so frustrated with Jesus. Man, we're finally drawing a big crowd. People are jumping on the bandwagon. We're finally getting some momentum here. And then they sit down to hear Jesus give a sermon. And he starts giving all these difficult teachings that that almost seem to turn people off. And I could just imagine the disciples sitting there going, Jesus, what are you doing? You're blowing it. You're blowing it. Now's the time to tell some funny puppy dog stories. Now's the time to make everybody feel good. Now's the time to to get everybody fired up to follow you. Don't, Don't turn people off with all this talk about the cost of discipleship and picking up your cross and all that stuff. That's not how you build a crowd because Jesus wasn't interested in building a crowd. Jesus was interested in helping people experience the life that only comes when you pay the price. To follow him. Kind of reminds me of the scene in the movie Men in Black. You ever seen the movie Men in Black? I mean, the original one. I know there have been others afterwards, but... This secret society, this agency that monitors aliens on planet Earth. Did you know? Did you know that people from outer space are living on Earth? Look around you. (laughs) Anyway. I love the the original movie when Agent K, played by Tommy Lee Jones, is, uh, is sort of recruiting... Uh, James Edwards played by Will Smith and uh, uh, James Edwards is a great police officer, but but agent K thinks he might be Right to be one of the men in black. So he uh, there's a scene where they're sitting on a park bench and he He tells James Edwards About men in black and he invites them He invites James Edwards to become one of the agents and you think that'll be the time to talk about all the benefits, but really He uh, tells them what it's going to cost them. Let's take a look and watch See, Agent K doesn't hold back. He tells the unvarnished truth because he respects the Will Smith character, James Edwards. He respects him too much to try to try to convince him to do something that maybe he's not ready to do. So he just tells him the truth and lets him decide. Jesus, in today's Scripture, is having a men in black recruiting moment with the crowd. He's telling him, here's what it costs if you're going to follow me. You've got to pick up your cross and follow me, and it's going to cost you. You've got to be willing to surrender everything you have. And he doesn't mean you've got to go sell everything, although he does tell some people to do that. He's saying, you've got to be willing to put everything out, all your chips on the table, say, Jesus, all that I have is yours. Whatever you ask me to do, I'm willing to do it. He says, that's what it costs to really follow me. And to drive that point home, Jesus gives these two stories. They're not really stories as much as they're just examples, but they're, they're word pictures that he gives for people to remember what it means to follow him really gives you these examples in the form of a rhetorical question. He says, who among you, if you're building a tower, doesn't first go out and find out exactly how much it's going to cost, make sure you have all the supplies and materials and workers you need to actually build the tower, because what you don't want is a scenario of where you get started and you run out of materials and you, you can't finish, and now you've got this partially built tower, and people walk by and they look at it and say, look at that fool, started something, couldn't finish it. Now, in Jesus' day, they built towers for two reasons. One, to store farm equipment. And the other, uh, so you could put a, a guard at the top of the tower to kind of keep watch over the property and over the crops. So this is a realistic story people have understood. and People would have built towers back in those days, and they would have understood what Jesus was talking about. Hey, before you embark on some big building program, make sure you've got what you need, and you have the resources available to finish once you get started, because nothing's worse than a half-built tower. It's good for nothing. And then Jesus goes on and gives a second example. Imagine a king who is thinking about war and then has to figure out the cost of the war. Make sure you can pay that cost. And if he can't pay the cost, he better figure out terms of peace. But he better sit down first and figure out what it's going to cost. Now, we always uh, mention this when we talk about the stories of Jesus. They have one primary point they're trying to make. And the primary point Jesus is making with these two illustrations or, or these two stories is this. Count the cost. If you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you. It's going to be worth it. But it is going to cost you. And it's going to cost you commitment to live the life I call you to live. To be a true disciple. Not just part of the crowd. Not just be curious. Not to just be a casual admirer of Jesus. But an authentic disciple not just because of the eternal life you get when this life is over, but because of the kind of person you become in this life as you live out that life. I always tell people all the time, you should accept Jesus as your Savior and live for him, not because you might die tomorrow, but because you'll probably have to live today.
0: Right?
1: And living today in this life, Jesus' way, living Jesus' way is the best way to live because of the person you become in the process. So in the time left this morning, let's consider the cost of discipleship. What does it mean to really follow Jesus? There's lots of things we could talk about, but let me talk about these two ways we have to pay the price to follow Jesus. First, we have to pay the price of personal sacrifice. Personal sacrifice. Sacrifice is central to the teaching of Christianity. First of all, the sacrifice that Jesus makes for us on the cross, but then the sacrifice he calls us to make in response To live our lives for him. The message of Christianity is simply this. Jesus died for me. Now I live for him. Jesus died for me. Now I live my life for him. That means I prioritize my time, my activities, my priorities in such a way that they're reflecting the life Jesus calls me to live. I have to sacrifice my selfish desires, my selfish attitudes, my selfish comforts and appetites in order to pursue the life Jesus invites me to pursue. It takes sacrifice to forgive people when they've hurt you. It takes sacrifice to be in church on Sunday. It takes sacrifice to have a quiet time in the morning. It takes sacrifice to tithe and be generous to the kingdom of God. It takes sacrifice to hold your tongue and not say what you Feel like you ought to say to tell somebody off. It takes sacrifice to do all kinds of things for the Lord. I, you know, we uh we had the uh, Vacation Bible School this past week, and uh I was talking to one of the guys who was working for vac- with Vacation Bible School this week. He was he was telling me what his week was like this past week. He uh he leaves the house at five o'clock in the morning because he works up in Ashburn, so he has to commute all the way up there. He gets off work and then fights I ninety five traffic to get here at church just in time for the start of Vacation Bible School. And then he serves at Vacation Bible School for a couple hours. Then he gets home around 9.30 and goes to bed. Then he gets up the next morning at 5 and does it all over again. Here's a guy with every excuse to say, I don't have time for Vacation Bible School. i got a busy job. i got to get up in the morning. I can't be out all night, all week, doing this sort of thing. But instead, he was willing to make a sacrifice to bless other kids, to advance the mission of Christ. In their lives. And when people make a sacrifice, it's it's powerfully inspiring. I, I, I was thanking him for doing this. He said, oh, he said, hey, don't, don't thank me. He said, this is this is so worth it. This is so worth it for me. I'm getting more out of it than than the kids are. You know, there's a real connection between love and sacrifice. Have you ever thought about this? That the more you sacrifice for something or someone, the more you you grow to love them. This is why parents love their kids so much. Because kids require so much sacrifice. And the more we sacrifice, the more we love, provided we're sacrificing with a heart of gratitude. And what Jesus invites us to do is when we sacrifice for Him, not to focus on what we have to give up for Jesus, but to focus on what He gave up for us. And out of a heart of gratitude, we sacrifice because He was so good and is so good to us. And we're willing to do the things He invites us to do for His glorious purposes in the world. And our love for Him grows. Here's the truth. If you don't sacrifice much for the Lord, you won't love the Lord very much. And if you don't love the Lord very much, you won't sacrifice for Him very much. Good question to ask. What sacrifices am I making in my life these days out of gratitude and love for my Lord who gave Himself up for me? One of the reasons I challenge people today to sacrifice is because I know that will help them grow in their love for Jesus. Early in my ministry, I was afraid to challenge people to make sacrifices i was afraid all oh, people are it's going to turn people off it's going to turn people away now i know i'm doing you a favor when i ask you to make a big sacrifice because it deepens your love and appreciation for what it means to follow jesus and he shows up in a big way and you end up getting more than you ever gave yesterday afternoon my wife came home she'd uh, spent the morning pulling weeds at ebenezer acre we have a family in our church that donated an acre of land and we've planted potatoes there and uh She spent the morning pulling weeds with a bunch of other volunteers at Ebenezer uh, in in this garden. She came home just saying, we have such great people in this church. Somebody who would give up a Saturday morning, a very precious thing in our area, right? A Saturday morning on a beautiful day to go and pull weeds so we can grow potatoes to feed hungry people in our community. And she was all fired up. She got more out of it than uh, she put into it because she was willing to make a sacrifice. That's how it works. I think of the adults who will be... Uh, chaperoning and, and a, participating in the youth mission trip that's going to happen in a couple weeks. About 80 kids going on a mission trip, and that requires a lot of adults to help out. And because there's so many wonderful people in this church, we have adults that step forward, some of them even giving up vacation time at their job so they can go on a mission trip and sleep on uncomfortable mattresses. And stay up late talking to kids and blessing kids. Willing to make that sacrifice. And when they come back, they've gotten more out of it than they gave. It's just amazing. I talked to a a guy in our church who is uh, one of the most devoted and committed Christians I know. And when he first started coming to the church, not so much. He was one of these, I'm too busy for church guys. And had a lot of other things going on. And then uh, he changed. I mean, he really changed. He reoriented his life made Jesus not just his Savior, but his Lord. And when you talk to him, I ask him, what was it that finally turned it around for you? You know what he'll tell you? Disciple Bible study. He said, you know, I was kind of interested in the Bible. I heard the church was doing this 32-week disciple Bible study. It was a high-commitment kind of class, but I, I said, well, if I'm going to learn the Bible, maybe this is a good way to do it. So he signed up, and having to do the daily readings, having to show up for class with his homework done every week, that level of commitment... God used to bring about a seismic change in his heart and in his life. See, the truth of the matter is, we never really sacrifice for Jesus. We sacrifice and then he, he does something in our life that's, that's unbelievably good. That's how it works. Because the two spiritual cancers in your life and in my life, two spiritual cancers are selfishness and laziness. Amen? Selfishness and laziness, the two big spiritual cancers in our life, and the only way you deal with those cancers? Sacrifice. Putting yourself out. Being willing to be made uncomfortable, inconvenienced. Being willing to do something for Jesus. You know my favorite definition of sacrifice? Here it is. You might want to write this down. Here's my favorite definition of sacrifice. When I give up something I love for something I love more. Not good. That's, that's it. Sacri- when I give up something I love, for something I love more. When I give up my comfort, when I give up my convenience, when I give up uh, something that I think is important, for something I love more. And sometimes you and I, we get stuck in our faith because we stop sacrificing. We, we get to a place where, man, the price is just too high to keep growing in my faith, to keep serving, to keep loving, to become... To the, the follow, there comes a point where I'm "I just would rather stay comfortable right where I am." And the Lord says, "No, no, you gotta, you gotta pay the price. You gotta keep living for Me." Which leads us to the second price we gotta pay—not only sacrifice. Here's the second price: perseverance. Because it's easy to get all motivated and emotional and excited and make a one-time sacrifice. Can you do it day in and day out, week in and week in, out year and year out? I come across folks all the time. They, they start coming to church, start getting excited about the Lord. They say, oh, Ebenezer's is the greatest church I ever met. Oh, I'm, I'm so committed now. And then six weeks later, they're gone. Where'd they go? I don't know. They're just one of those folks. Got all excited and then poof, other things. See, you got to persevere. Not only do you have to sacrifice to be here this morning, God bless you for that, you had to persevere to be here. And you'll have to persevere to be here next week and the week after and the week after. See, to be a living sacrifice day in and day out, week in and week out. You know the problem with a living sacrifice? It keeps crawling off the altar. So you've got to put it back up there. Do it again. That's why the Apostle Paul says, run the race with perseverance. Finish the race. I'm reading a book right now by Angela Duckworth. It's called Grit. Really interesting book. Angela has spent years studying people who are very successful and accomplished in a variety of fields of endeavor. And she's been identifying the qualities that lead to success. And here's what's interesting. Talent is one of those qualities, but it's not the top quality. It's it's way down the list. The number one quality that all successful achievers have had, perseverance, grit, uh, an ability to... To overcome obstacles and keep working and not give up. Resilience, tenacity. And here's what uh, Dr. Duckworth points out. He says, grit has to do with how you talk to yourself when you're going through difficulty. What, what psychologists call your explanatory style. The words you choose to use to interpret what you're going through to yourself. And what they've discovered is people with without grit, people who quit and give up, use the word but a lot. They use the word but, and the word but introduces an excuse they're going to give to themselves to let themselves off the hook, so they don't have to keep trying anymore. Right? I I know church is important. I know, but I'm really busy right now. I I know I ought to have a daily quiet time, but 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 man, have you tried reading the Bible? I I know I ought to be generous financially, but 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 but, but you know right right now I got a lot of bills going on. I know I ought to forgive that person, but, but you know what they did to me? We can go on and on down the list. See, see, the word but introduces the excuse that people use to give up and not pay the price. But people with perseverance, people with grit use the word and instead of but. I know it's hard and I will do it. I know that I've been hurt and I will forgive. I know the Bible is hard, and it's full of wisdom, and I'll do the work to learn. See the difference? What Jesus says to you in the meeting, he says to the crowd, if you want to follow me, you've got to get off your butt. And you've got to become an and person. you got to be able to be resilient, handle disappointment, handle discouragement. I, I'm finishing up my 21st year as the pastor of this church. I can still remember year one, when I nearly quit. My first year here, anybody who's still around knows what what it was like back in the early or mid-90s at Ebenezer Church. This church was on the verge of a split. We were deeply in debt financially. People were upset with each other. There was a lot of stuff going on. I walked in here my first week and I said, oh my gosh. I spent the first six months meeting with people who were so angry that they were quitting the church, not coming back. It was really, really hard. And... uh, I wanted to quit. I'm so glad I didn't. A lot of you are in situations where you just want to quit. And I'm not saying you should never quit. But here's what I'm saying. Don't quit too soon. Because you know what? Quitting is a disease that gets easier and easier. Isn't that true? You're quitting something, then you're going to quit something else. You're going to quit something else. You're going to quit something else. You start quitting stuff, you'll be a quitter your whole life. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you can't be a quitter. You've got to have grit. And so he tells the story about the, the, the guy with the tower. And he tells the story about the king to remind us that it, it costs something to follow him, but it's worth the cost. So be willing to pay the price. Well, we all struggle with sacrifice and perseverance from time to time. So that's why we need to seek out regular inspiration and motivation, Right? I believe what we do here on Sunday morning is one of the ways we try to inspire people to pay the price to, to go out and live for Jesus. We we want to be an inspiration station where you come in, you get your tank filled, you're ready to go out and live for the Lord and love and serve in your family, and your place of work, wherever life takes you. Right? We want want to do that for you. I was mowing the lawn the other day, and uh, as I was mowing the lawn, I was uh, had my earphones on. You know who I was listening to? I was listening to Joel Osteen. Now... Some people don't like Joel Osteen. He's not my favorite preacher, but here's what he does really well: he encourages. And what Joel Osteen, you know, I I try to figure out why is he so popular. I think I know why he's so popular. Joel Osteen has figured out there are a lot of discouraged Christians in the world, a lot of Christians who are on the verge of quitting and giving up. And Joel Osteen has figured out a way to encourage and inspire and remind people, hey, you got to keep at it. You got to keep going. Sacrifice and perseverance is hard. That's why we need to be encouragers. And we need to encourage ourselves. We need to encourage those around us, right? That's why I love the stories of great saints. I love reading about people who had the, the sacrifice and the perseverance and were able to do great things for the Lord. And I, I'm, I'm just so, I, I admire people whose stories are so inspiring in that way. Our church library is full of biographies about great saints, modern and ancient who paid the price, who understood what it meant to follow Jesus and were willing to do it no matter what. I went through a period of time when I was struggling in my preaching not long ago and just started to lose my love for proclaiming the Word of God. And a friend gave me a book called Listening to the Giants about some of the great preachers and the way they had to work and study and prepare to, to preach. And it, it just reminded me that if you want to serve the Lord and whatever Vocational calling you have you you got to be willing to you you got to be willing to sacrifice and persevere. It was very inspiring to me. Today in the gathering room we got a table with books and movies that are inspiring, inspiring and, and, and encouraging to those who are trying to live out the Christian faith. We got a movie called uh, Chariots of Fire. If you want to check it out, and how many seen Chariots of Fire? It's worth seeing again. It's about Eric Liddell. Eric Liddell was an Olympic athlete in the 1924 paris olympics and uh, he was a favorite to win the 100 meter sprint except he never ran the race because the qualifying heat for that race was going to be held on sunday and as a devout christian he didn't feel it was honoring to the lord for him to run on the sabbath day now whatever you might think or i might think about how you go about honoring the sabbath you got to say this about eric he was willing to sacrifice his chance at winning a gold medal and not run on the sabbath day in order to honor the lord then at the last minute, he got put into the 400 meters, which, you know, he, he was not good at running. He'd tried it before and had not done well. He wasn't even favored to, to get any kind of medal in that. But as he was walking up to the starting blocks, uh, a fellow Olympic athlete gave him a little piece of paper, just put it in the palm of his hand. He opened it up. It was First Samuel 2.30. Those who honor me, I will honor, says the Lord. That little piece of inspiration motivated Eric Liddell. He ended up not only winning that race, he set a world record. That stood for 12 years. Got the gold medal in the 400. He wasn't even supposed to do well in that race, but he did. He honored the Lord, and the Lord honored him. But what I love about the story of Eric Liddell is not the medal he won at the gold, uh, the gold medal he won at the Olympics. It's what he did after the Olympics was over. Became a missionary to China. Lived out his life teaching uh, the Chinese about Jesus until, because Christians were being persecuted there, he ended up in an internment camp where he spent the next two years encouraging and leading worship services and supporting the other prisoners in the camp, trying to help them stay true and strong in their faith in the midst of very difficult circumstances. He eventually died. Eric Liddell died in that camp of a brain tumor. But then I like to think about how he, when he died, he went to the Lord. And can I tell you something? The awards ceremony he got in heaven before the Lord, the the gold medal that Jesus put around his neck so much greater than the gold medal he got at the Olympics. Great is our reward when we sacrifice and persevere. I'm not saying, you know, we're all going to die uh, on the mission field. What I'm saying is when Jesus calls us to follow, he calls us to make sacrifice and to persevere. In fact, Eric Liddell's story inspired another young missionary named Jim Elliott who went to Wheaton College and felt called to go be a missionary to the Ayuka Indians in Ecuador. Uh, Jim married a woman named Elizabeth Elliott, who became his partner in missions. And uh, One time while Elizabeth was back in the United States on furlough, uh, as Jim and his team were working with the Ayuka Indians, a, a very small group of those Indians who didn't trust them uh, came to their camp and slaughtered them and killed them in their sleep. And uh, Elizabeth Elliot went back to the mission field after that happened, spent four more years working with those Indians after what they did to her husband. She's written a great book. She's written several great books, in fact, but uh, there's a couple of them available. Uh, One is Through the Gates of Splendor, which tells the story of Jim and their marriage and their commitment to the Lord. Again, friends, I'm telling these stories not not to suggest that we're all called to go be missionaries. I'm telling these stories to remind us all. That the sacrifices we're called to make in this life inspire others. And our willingness to persevere in this life inspires others. Because the, the truth of the matter is there's some amazing stories out there. But when your life and my life is over, what stories will people tell about us? When, 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 when it's our funeral and uh, people are in the church parlor or wherever they might be, sipping punch and talking about our lives after the funeral is over, what will they be saying about us? What, what will our legacy be? Will, it, will they say, hey, he was a serious disciple of Jesus. Hey, his faith was real. He made a difference in other people's lives. He, he counted the cost. Parents, what will your kids say about your faith? And the way you demonstrated in the home? And the values and virtues you planted into their lives? Husbands, what will your wives say about the way you treated them and cared for them? Were you a godly husband? Wives, what will your husbands say about you? Were you a godly wife? Did you honor the Lord? Did you worship and grow and serve? And Maybe most important for all of us, what will Jesus say when we stand before Him? As we all will someday. Ask yourself the question, what am I doing right now to sacrifice and persevere for the God I love, for the Lord who gave His life for me? Am I willing to pay the price? I rarely read poems, and we're, we're about done. But i, I got to read you this poem in part because it rhymes, and I like poems that rhyme. Seriously, if I could, I'd make a rule. If it doesn't rhyme, it's not a real poem. But this poem, I recite to myself on a regular basis uh, just to remind me of what's really important in life. And uh, it's called, What Really Counts? And it goes like this. I counted gains while he counted losses. I counted dollars, but he counted crosses. I counted my treasures, my things gained in store, but he sized me up by the scars that I bore. I counted my trophies and academic degrees, but he counted the times I spent on my knees. And I never knew till one day at my grave how foolish were the things I spent my life trying to save. Before Jim Elliott went off to the mission field, He wrote in his Bible these words, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. That's the life Jesus invites you and me to live. Give up the selfishness, the foolish things of this world that you cannot keep in order to gain what you could never lose. Everybody has an Agent K moment in their life where Jesus says, I'm inviting you to follow me. Don't think it will be easy. But trust me, it'll be worth it. Will you make the sacrifice and will you persevere? Will you have grit? Count the cost. So that when you get to the end of your life, you know you stood for the Lord. You may not have been perfect, but you were a serious disciple. You invested yourself in the things that matter most. The things that God counts. And you'll know, because you've lived it, you'll know that he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to obtain what he cannot lose.